Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. My Prayer for My Country by our founder, Ernest Holmes. Believing in the divine destiny of the United States of America and in the preservation of liberty and self-expression for all, I offer this, my prayer for our country. I know that divine intelligence governs the destiny of the United States of America, directing the thought and the activity of all who guide its affairs. I know that success, prosperity, and happiness are the gifts of freedom and the divine heritage of everyone in this country, that they are now operating in the affairs of every individual in this country. I know that divine guidance enlightens the collective mind of the people of this country, causing it to know that economic security may come to all without the loss of either personal freedom or individual self-expression. I know that no one can believe or be led to believe that personal freedom must be surrendered in order to ensure economic security for all. The all-knowing mind contains the answer to every problem which confronts this country. I know that every leader in this country is now directed by this all-knowing mind and has the knowledge of a complete solution to every problem. Each is impelled to act upon this knowledge to the end that abundance, security, and peace comes to all. I know that this spiritual democracy shall endure, guaranteeing to everyone in this country personal liberty, happiness, and self-expression. And so it is. We're starting a new series, and it's not a new book at all. It's The Four Agreements. And I've already had a couple of people say, well, gosh, Larry, probably 40% of the people in this room have read The Four Agreements. The reason we're taking a second look at it or another look at it is I think it's really pertinent for what's going on in our lives right now. I think the combination of these four agreements, if we kept them, if we made them, um, could literally transform the United States. So, so our, um, our theme this month is freedom, indeed. And, and I'm using this book really to highlight our personal freedoms and one of the ways I think powerfully to achieve that. Uh, let me start off kind of the promise of the book here. Don Miguel Ruiz says, there are thousands of agreements you have already made with yourself, with other people, with your dream of life, with God, with society, with your parents, with your spouse, with your children, and the list goes on. But the most important agreements are the ones you made with yourself. In these agreements, you tell yourself who you are, what you're to feel, what you believe, how you should behave. The result is what you call your personality. And in these agreements, you say things like, this is what I am, this is what I believe. I can do certain things, but not do other things. This is reality, that is fantasy. This is possible, and for me, that is not possible. One single agreement is no big deal, but we have so very many agreements that make us suffer. If you want to live a life of joy and fulfillment, you have to find the courage to break those agreements that are fear-based 
and claim your personal power and freedom. The agreements that come from fear require us to expend a tremendous amount of energy, but the agreements that come from love help us to conserve our energy and provide us strength. You need a very strong will in order to adopt the four agreements, but if you can begin to live your life with these agreements, the transformation in your life and in the world will be amazing. Instead of living in a dream of hell, you will be creating a new heaven, a new personal dream of heaven on earth. Wow, what a promise. I think I'm up for it though. And I, I, I think that together we can do something amazing this month. The idea of agreements, I want to elaborate on that a little bit. And in fact, I think we need to, to take apart a little bit about what we believe to be true about ourselves. When he talks about the agreements that we make with ourselves and with society, with our friends and with our family, they're not the thing, you know, most agreements, maybe a lawyer shoves a piece of paper, right? And says, you better read this first <laughs> and then sign it, right? Have you been in a situation of buying a house or, or, or you know, buying something? with time payments or going through a divorce or something, right? It's like there's a very, in theory, important woman or man giving you a set of papers and saying, read this. It's really important because you're signing something here that is binding. Trouble is most of the agreements we have made in our life They've just kind of slipped in. It's kind of like more like you see someone just, you know, someone comes up and says, oh, I need your signature on something. Now, you know, just sign it. You know, it's no big thing. And it's someone you trust, right? It's a loved one. It's your, you know, financial planner or whatever. And of course you trust this person. So you just sign your name. Oh my gosh, the agreements that we have made, the ones that have just slipped in under our awareness, the ones that we have made with our friends, with our families, with society around who we should look, how we should conduct ourselves, what a good mother is, what a, what a good father is, the, the ideas of, uh, uh, of being an upright citizen, of being good on the block of where you live, on what it is to be a good neighbor or a bad neighbor, the, the agreements we have made around how we should raise our children or, or, or that we should all have cars or you know it goes on and on and on literally till the end of time and it's as though so many of them without even our awareness we've signed our name to them so if we somehow don't match that idea of what it is to be a perfect woman we feel negligent well it wasn't our idea to begin with right did we actually read through that agreement where it said, you know, more than till death do we part on the, uh, the marriage thing? Did it actually say what I'd have to go through when I'm with an elderly spouse that's in, in, in medical trouble? Did, did I actually think about what it meant when I said that I would sign up for the American dream and work hard in order to get ahead and all the things that went with that? We just plunge in. And yet... Ruiz says, and I believe, that the agreements we have made are no less binding. 
our, our oomph, whether we think we're a good person or whether we're negligent in some way, is based on those agreements that we've made with society when we haven't even reviewed them particularly properly. When someone hasn't said, oh, by the way, with the American dream of working really hard, you're probably going to miss most of your, your children's growing up. Like, is that okay? <laughs> right? When you're off to work for uh, 40 hours or 60 hours or 80 hours, if you really work hard, your children will be growing up and you'll just miss that. No one mentioned the fine print in there, did they? You just signed up for it because it seemed like it was the right thing to do. The same with marriage, right? You, you may have looked at the marriage vows and, and being a minister, isn't it true? I get all kinds of questions on the marriage vows. Could we not say this part? <laughs> Could we tweak that part? Ever with the effort of making it less binding, not more binding. It's almost like the marriage vows are down to, do you take this person, you know, come as they will, and, you know, until you're tired of it. <laughs> but what is a marriage? We still are making the agreement, aren't we? We still have that sense of what it is to be married to someone, to devote a, a life and energy, right? That part we don't sign up for. It's there, though, and if we don't fulfill that, that dream that the world has, right, that 70-year raise our children, do you know what I mean? Expectations on something like a marriage, the agreement around a marriage, it's huge because the, the pattern is that perfect marriage that doesn't even exist anywhere where there never was a fight and the children got raised perfectly and you live in the beautiful house with the white pickets out front and the, the children's college magically all got paid for and well I want to just see that marriage I don't think I don't think I've met that couple yet yet anything short of that don't we tell ourselves gosh I guess I kind of failed at this the marriage only lasted three years we fight fairly frequently I'm having trouble saving up any kind of money I guess I'm a failure. You know, one of the things that's so poignant about the song that Starr said is the anybody that ever tells us we're less than beautiful, the anybody that tells us that we're anything less than whole, that anybody so often is this body. In fact, I think it's much more likely that we suffer from the agreements that we have made with ourselves. I was talking in the, in the first service, and I'm going to um, repeat it a little bit. The idea of being impeccable with our word is the first agreement, and I'm going to break that into to two pieces, I think, because first of all, most of us aren't familiar with the word impeccable, and then the idea of being impeccable with our word, it's not just the idea of the things that pop out of our mouths. So let's start there first. Being impeccable with our word, first of all, the idea of the word is the powerful pronouncements that we can make. And they don't even have to be verbal. And think of them, if you will, as an equal sign. Anytime in your mind you say that you or someone else are equal to some condition, some way of being, that is exercising your word, the word, if you will. And so if you say, gosh, I looked over my day yesterday and boy, was I stupid. I made so many mistakes. I guess I'm just kind of stupid. 
That's an I am statement. That's like saying there's an equal sign there and you're on one side of the equal sign and on the other side of the equal sign, you're equating yourself to stupidity. That is using your word. Likewise, maybe you had a, a fabulous day yesterday and, uh, and uh, you put on yourself on one side of the equal sign and on the other you say lovable and capable, right? It's like I had a hard day and you know what? I breezed right through it. And even the, situa- the personal situations, I expressed love and by the end of the day I accomplished a lot. I'm lovable and capable. That would be another using the power of your word. Guess how often we do the affirmative one instead of the negative one? We're almost programmed from an early age to find the one or two things we did wrong in a day and identify with that. We look over our day and the thing that sticks out is a mistake you made or an an interchange with someone over the phone that went poorly and we summarize that probably brilliant day by saying, I'm stupid, or I wasn't very kind, or, or I'm too careless with other people, right? We make those equalities. We, we set ourselves up to be faulty by using that sort of equal sign as we cast our word, as we, as, as we make our word known powerfully to our own mind. And I gotta tell you, When we use our word, that's what God created the universe out of. For those of you who maybe are familiar with that thing we call the Old Testament, at the very beginning of it, it's there was the word, and the word was with God, and God used the word to create the whole universe. We, on our smaller scale, use our word to create our experience of the universe. So when we say, um, let me think of an example. Uh, When we say the folks back in Washington, D.C. are just stupid, they'll never get along, we'll never be able to get this country out of the trouble it's in, right? We're using that equal sign, right? The people in Washington are stupid, uncooperative. It's like we're ringing that bell. It's the same word that God used to create the universe. And whether we're using it about someone else, whether we're using it about ourselves, what you can expect is that creation becomes real. After a while, if we have an agreement with ourselves that says I'm I'm stupid or I'm not capable, after a while the universe will do everything it can to prove it true. We'll begin to see all kinds of evidence throughout the day. Oh my gosh, I could have done that better. How did I miss that? Oh my Lord, what a failure I am. You start amplifying it, right? You begin using your word against yourself as you pick out those one or two things that happened throughout the day that didn't go as perhaps ideally it could. We're all in a sense a little bit of perfectionists and when the day doesn't go perfectly, when the encounter doesn't go perfectly, when our ability to be what we'd like according to what? The agreements we've already uh, believed in in terms of what perfection in a marriage is or what perfections at the office is. If we don't measure that perfection, I'm deficit and I start beginning to see myself through the eyes of lack, of fear, and of dismay. I'm just creating it. I'm just creating more of it. When we say to be impeccable of our word then, the reality of it is we want to say things that are wholesome 
if we want to have a wholesome life. We want to talk about beauty if we want to experience beauty. If we want to be seen and known for being intelligent, if we actually want to be intelligent and, and gracious, that's how we need to speak about ourselves. We use the power of our word and that magic equal sign to be lined up with the things that we want to be. We start noticing throughout the day the two or three things we did particularly well instead of the things that we did particularly poorly, and we start identifying with that. We say, wow, you really handled that argument really well. It came out peacefully, and we got a good, relig- a good uh, outcome out of it. What a good communicator I am. We begin saying things like, Larry is smart. Right? We notice that in our lives. We begin talking about ourselves. And and it's interesting, too, because I know a lot of times, many of us were actually corrected as children not to do that, weren't we? A lot of us were said, well, what's going on with you claiming you're such a good artist? What's with you claiming that you can sing good? It's like, oh, Right? And so we get the model of anything where we claim that we're, we're smart or beautiful, that we're capable, that we're lovable, we have people chipping away at that a little bit. And that's part of the agreement we have in society, what? To be demure, to find our place and stick to it. Is that what we really want? Is that who we really are? See, I don't think so. These agreements may have been made two, three, five thousand years ago. It's time to take a look at them. It's time to see if this is really who we want to be and what we want to stand for. And when we notice that an agreement works against us or is fear-based, right? Like, I'm going to behave because otherwise maybe you won't love me anymore. Yikes! When those are the agreements that we discover going on in our lives, our life then is based on a fear, based on a lack, based on on something that's working against us ultimately instead of for us. So how do we change this? How do we begin making new agreements? I found a lovely joke. (laughs) Well, I knew you were waiting for it, so it's time. An elderly woman lived on a small farm in Canada, just yards away from the North Dakota border. Their land had been the subject of some dispute between the United States and Canada for years. The widowed woman lived on the farm with her son and grandchildren. One day, her son came running into the house holding a letter. Mom, I've got some news, he said. The government has come to an agreement with the people in North Dakota. They've decided that our land could be part of the United States. We have the right to approve or disapprove of this agreement. What do you think? What do I think, his mother said. Quick, sign it. Call them right now. Tell them we agree. I don't think I can stand one more of these cold Canadian winters. (laughs) All right, all right. So so bear with me. (laughs) It is a funny joke, but it actually kind of illustrates my point. Because it isn't what we do It's how we perceive it. It isn't whether or not the winter is cold or not. It's the agreement we make around how we deal with it, right? 
So what we were looking at in that joke is the woman actually has a great point. Maybe she'd like to shift her agreement around not enjoying the winter. Maybe she would like to shift the agreement around winters up here are terrible. And she's found a nice way to do it, right? We don't live in Canada anymore. The winters won't be that cold. Has she changed reality? She possibly is changing her reality. Perhaps she's in the process of making a new agreement on how she wants to be in the world. So often the agreements that we have have very little to do with facts, right? What really does it mean to be a perfect husband or a perfect wife? What really does it mean to to be beautiful versus ugly? These are pretty arbitrary words and judgments, aren't they? Am I beautiful or am I ugly? Well, all right, I know. We've just been trained in that. And And I will accept that. But I would say, if you come up with some factual way of determining right? Based on measurements or coloration or, or a slide rule or something, right? If you came up with a factual, measurable way of determining whether someone was beautiful or ugly, well, first of all, the thought of it scares me, I got to tell you, right? But haven't we done that? Haven't we as society done that? And that's what says that women should be, what, what, are, we, what are women down to now? Size zero or something is the right size. And, right? We've come up with these crazy ideas and then we measure ourselves. And the truth is, no one is either perfectly ugly or perfectly beautiful. We're all of it. I'm beautiful and I'm ugly. And in fact, it, depending upon how I view myself, it's, that's the reality. When I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I say, all right, not bad, <laughs> right? I'm beautiful that day. If I get up in the morning and open one eye and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not beautiful on that day. And you know what? It's the same me. I'm still living in Canada, right? The winter didn't get any warmer. It's me that got warmer. I began changing the agreement I had with myself. The facts don't have to be in dispute. It's how you see yourself. It's how you interact with the world. It's the agreements that you make on purpose. Now, see, the other... uh, The other invitation here then is to make purposeful agreements with life. Not just take it as it comes, not just assume that I have to be size zero, not just assume that because my parents did something a certain way that I would. Let me, in fact, let me use you one more example here from my own life. So um, some of you, I think, know that I was actually born in in a logging camp trailer park. And uh, it was an 18-foot trailer. (laughs) If any of you have ever been in one of those 1950s small trailers, imagine having a child with whooping cough in there and you stuck with little Larry all day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I put my mother up for sainthood a long time ago (laughs) over that one. But my parents were born in that position of wanting the American dream. And they believed that if they worked 
hard enough, they would be successful. And they had a, a pretty clear idea of what success was. It meant out of the trailer park and into a home. It meant owning that log truck instead of leasing it. It meant making sure they could provide for their son to, to have a, a decent education. It, it, it meant someday being able to go on trips. It meant someday actually paying the house off. It was pretty clear what success was to them. And they made that agreement we will work hard and we will be successful. And because they made that agreement and because, because God says yes to agreements made with, with good conscience, my parents were successful. And by the time I was 10, we were living in our own house, had it half paid for, uh, one of the three log trucks we owned, and my parents were so very, very, very unhappy. They were both working full time. I had a babysitter. They had no sense of what it was to really be alive and, and enjoying one another's company. My, my father often was gone three or four weeks at a time back at the logging camp, staying, uh, staying with friends out there because it was too far to drive in every day. My mom was, uh, was working at a, at a, uh, a lumber mill uh, full time doing bookkeeping for them. They achieved what they set out to do but the agreement really wasn't for them. I'm asking you, are the agreements you have made in your life, those ones that got kind of just shoved onto the blotter and someone said sign here without you really looking at the fine print? Are you what you want to be right now? Are you doing what you want to be doing? Is the quality of your life in balance? Are you getting to spend the time you want to spend with your friends and loved ones? Are you feeling useful in the world? Are you feeling like your personal uh, relationships are, are on good fitting and filled with love rather than fear? That the interactions you have with your friends and your family are built on mutual respect and love or are they based on some kind of an interchange, like I'll love you if you behave a certain way. I'll behave a certain way if you love me. What agreements have we made and can we start changing them? Now, changing them involves changing our thinking in our heart. Notice we don't really have to move outside of Canada though. Notice that it isn't so much about change. This doesn't mean you have to go get a divorce and quit your job and have someone else raise your children. <laughs> That's the good news, probably. <laughs> you can make the change of an agreement right in place, doing what you're doing now. It will require some effort on your place, of course. And, and Don Miguel Ruiz says this is the toughest of the four agreements being impeccable with your word. What it means is what we think and what we say should be directed towards the outcome that we want. We shouldn't beat ourselves up in our self-talk anymore. We shouldn't uh, beat up other people in what we say about them. So like no gossip, right? We're going to be very straightforward, very clean, very impeccable with treating the universe and ourselves the way we wish to be treated when we hold ourselves with love, when we give ourselves kudo, when we use that equal sign, sign to say, I stand for love, I am peace, I do what's necessary to, uh, to be useful, to be peaceful, to be joyous, I am that thing. When we do that, 
We have made a fundamental new agreement that will change our lives and change the universe. There's one other part of this first agreement, being impeccable with your word, that I need to talk about, because I bet I'm not the only perfectionist here in the room. When I first went through the four agreements, I thought that being impeccable with your word meant I can't make a mistake. I have to scrutinize every single thought I want to see if ultimately and finally and perfectly it was in alignment with all of my beliefs, with all of my ideas, with everything that was good for me. And so initially I was having discussions like this. Oh, sure, I'll have a scoop of ice cream. That's right. I'm trying to be better about watching my weight and putting nutrition into it. But wait a minute, one scoop of ice cream won't hurt me. And besides, it's the kind I really like. Now, wait a minute, Larry, it isn't the scoop of ice cream, it's what it represents. It represents dishonoring your own sacred body. It represents doing something against yourself that's important to do correct. Now, wait a minute, though, why would I deny myself? I deserve to have something simple and sweet in my life like a scoop of ice cream. Good Lord. God wouldn't deny me this little bit of pleasure. And then I would, do you see what I mean? And so as I was making the first agreement, I'm thinking, if I have to do this with every single thought I have, ah! (laughs) So let me off, let me allow you to be off the hook on this one. It really just means doing your best. And in particular, quality over quantity. It's best to make one or two new key and important agreements that bolster you up and allow yourselves to be more personally self-expressive. Better to take one or two or three and really be perfect with just those. Do you know what I mean? So, so it isn't about thinking or rethinking or re-re-re-re-re-re-thinking <laughs> every thought that goes on in your head or every decision you make, right? Because you can always rethink it. You can always decide again. But let us see what we stand for. It could be as simple as making an agreement that every encounter you have with your family will be based in love. And you get scrupulous about that. When the urge to raise your voice comes, you say, wait a minute, no, that's not part of my agreement. When the urge to um, kind of burst the bubble of one of your children that's high-flying one day with irrational but sweet thoughts, instead you say, wait a minute, what would love do? When you notice in a family member that they are... um, perhaps in the middle of something dangerous and your urge is to kind of run in panic, maybe it's time for tough love, right? So, so love doesn't always have to look like something sweet and tender, but nonetheless, can you really with your friends and family say, this encounter I'm having right now is based on love and only love. So I would much rather you made one new agreement, just one or two maybe, rather than trying to be impeccable with every single thing that goes through your head. That way lies insanity. Instead, begin noticing what's most important to you. 
are the agreements that you have already made in those areas, whether it be about career, whether it be about family, whether it be about loved ones, whether it be about your housing situation, whatever it is that you're thinking of right now is pretty darn important. Think of what agreements you have already made in that area and see if it's time for a change. So you've probably already guessed that's your homework for this week. The four agreement um, program, if you will, is that we as a congregation, or at least those of you who are willing, will begin holding ourselves to these agreements. And so, for instance, if you notice someone telling you that you're not beautiful, <laughs> if you notice someone talking about someone else as though they are less than whole, we have the right to say, wait a minute, Aren't we doing those four agreements? Aren't we gonna plant seeds? Aren't we gonna use our words of wisdom in a way that's positive? So I hope you'll stand with me this month. Our first agreement, be impeccable with your word. It means saying and thinking things that are wholesome to you and other people. It means uplifting the good in yourself and in others. It means using that power of your word to be loving, to be peaceful, to be joyous. And just start with one or two agreements that need touching up, one or two things that are maybe not working well in your life. Normally, when something isn't working well in your life, it's because you've made an agreement that you're feeling you can't live up to. Maybe it's something that absolutely you're, you feel you're required to do or be that isn't who you are. That's the source of trouble. That's when you start acting up or pulling back or behaving badly. It's probably an agreement that you weren't meant to have to begin with. It's probably some agreement that either you've made with someone else or someone else has one with you, right? Because often it's around people and it's the agreement of what a good daughter should be or what a, a fine husband should be. And, you know, oh my gosh, the trouble we get ourselves into. So that's the place to start. Find something in your life where you'd like a new agreement don't have to be perfect at it. We're all human, and I actually kind of enjoy that about ourselves. So be authentically you. In fact, that's what this is about. I'm going to close today with a final quote from, uh, from being impeccable with your word. Here is how Don Miguel Ruiz um, summarizes. He says, be impeccable with your word. This is the first agreement that you should make if you really want to experience freedom. If you want to experience happiness, and if you want to transcend the level of existence that can be hell, it is very powerful. Use the word in a correct and useful way. Use the word to share your love. Use, if you will, white magic, beginning with yourself. Tell yourself how wonderful you are. Tell yourself how powerful you are. Tell yourself how much you love yourself. Use the power of your word to break all those teeny, tiny agreements that make you suffer. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. This thing that I call God, what I know about God is that it's the epitome of all that we here on this human plane wish to achieve. The true achievements are what? Their, their love, their light, their joy, their peace, their happiness, their, their truth, their beauty. All of this is, is God in form. And I know that that also means me. 
I know that I'm created out of that same universal substance that, that created the, the beautiful fireworks last night, that, that created the, the yearning, gorgeous seascape or a, or a beautiful mountain scene, that I, too, am that level of beauty. I know it's true. It is the promise of God itself. And as it is true for me, I know these truths are also in full effect for each person in this room. Each of us here has but to make a new agreement to see ourselves as love, as peace, as joy, as happiness, to to claim it, to use that powerful equal sign and say, I am this thing that I wish to be. That is the truth of a new agreement. And so I'm grateful for the power and presence in this room as it takes the form of each of us, each of us here with the power of our word, each of us here ready to live a life more joyous, more happy, more peaceful, more abundant. And so in great gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I I simply let it be and together we say, and so it is. So glad you were here today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.